If you will, turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. This is our Christmas morning message. And it's all about Jesus Christ and who He is. He is the reason for the season, amen? He's the reason that we gather together as families to give gifts and, and, and share in, in the joy and, and fellowship of family. Because He is the one who has come to save us from our sins. And, you know, a lot of times Christmas has become commercialized. It's become sentimentalized. It comes to mean different things for different people. But the one true meaning of Christmas is the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. It says this of Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be 
grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray again. Lord, we're so thankful for your word and what it means to us. Pray, God, that you would bless both the reader and the hearer this morning. Let your word go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> we have trouble with the idea of sacrifice these days. I don't think people really know what sacrifice really means. Um, we, we live in an age of information and technology where everything is, is done by computer and over the internet. And I think one of the problems is because of that, we, we see people less and less in our society today. Now, I, I will say this, you know, we kind of live in a rural area and, and uh, a lot of people, you know, still get together, which is great. And, and I think that, that that's wonderful. We have a more simple life um, in, in these rural areas. But I'm going to tell you that in some of these major cities and in some of these um, big areas, that there's a lot of loneliness going on because people just don't connect with each other. They don't have to look at other people. And it's getting to where more and more, um, where you know, we're not going into an office. We're not going in, in, into a workplace. We're not going into... Um, uh, some of these uh, areas uh, of town um, where we might see someone in need, some poor people, um, people living on the streets. Um, and, and even if um, we might be concerned, um, what we can do is, um, you know, we can give to organizations electronically um, that deal with that stuff without ever having to really make contact with, with, with uh, people around us or to, to uh, find ways of serving other people. Um, that's, that's usually for somebody else. Many of you um, here um, were probably born either on the edge of the Great Depression or during the Great, Great Depression. And, and, and it's, it, that, I think that's the last time um, that we've seen a lot of people making sacrifices. Um, you know, and it's, it, 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 it's tough. When we fall on hard economic times, that's when a lot of times you'll see people sacrificing and serving others. And if inflation keeps going the way it is, and if our economy keeps going the way it is, we might find ourselves in dire straits again. The situation is not sustainable, and we need to be praying. But one of the things that encourages me here lately is that a lot of these big tech things are starting to collapse again. We had a collapse back in the 90s. I don't know if you remember that. But, but some of these social media companies are tanking. Some of these streaming services are tanking. Their, sco their stocks are taking a dive. And, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I see coming in the future is that it's going to force us to look at each other again, to, to see people again, to work with people again, to deal with people again. And, and, and that the idea of Serving other people is, is going to become um, a thing again. <laughs> and I hope as, as we begin to see more and more people 
And of course, you know, the COVID lockdowns kind of kept people in their homes, kept people away from each other. Um, and the government tried to do that, and it is still even trying to extend that, I think, even now. Um, but, you know, the, the gospel message is, is, is about self-sacrifice. The whole, the, whole, the whole idea of Jesus coming into the world is about His sacrifice for us. And He was born to die. Jesus was essentially born to die. Now that sounds sad, but that was His purpose. He was born to die. The road from Bethlehem led Him straight to Calvary. He was born to die for others. For others, on behalf of others. In other words, His life was a sacrifice. And so what the Apostle Paul wants to tell the Philippians here, and some say he's using an ancient hymn that the church used, or, or, or an ancient creed that the church had. But he wants to emphasize that the divine Christ, the Son of God, who was also God Himself, became a human being, being born into humble, humble conditions, and He did that to serve mankind. The man at the right hand of the King of the universe gave up his place his throne to come down to us and he also came as as any human did he says um, here the apostle Paul says he not only took the form of a human but he was born as a human he wanted to emphasize here that if Jesus didn't just appear as a human being he was born a human being he came in the same way that, that all people come, except He did not come by any human agency, except by Mary's willingness to receive the message that God brought to her when the angel appeared and told her that she would be carrying the very Son of God. Her willingness and the Holy Spirit's power brought her flesh and, and, and divinity together to form Jesus Christ by His power, by His, by His agency. But by a miracle, the, the, the Spirit becoming flesh, Jesus did this through Mary, but He did it by His power and through the Holy Spirit. And not only did Jesus have a, a human birth, he was also, it also says He was born as a servant. Some translations will use the word slave. I, I, I think slave is the better translation. And you think, well, I don't read anywhere that Jesus was a slave. I don't, I don't see where he was, um, you know, uh, used as a slave. Well, he was a slave in the sense that he was under the control and authority of the Roman Empire, which often did look uh, at people um, at, of low estate as, as slaves. I mean, he, his work as a carpenter, his father's work as a carpenter was done for the Roman Empire, and he would be a servant in the Roman Empire um, for, for, you know, m many years. Um, he, he, was, he was born as a humble servant. He was born to, to people of low estate. When I lit the Christ candle, we read the, the Christmas story. Uh, Joseph and, and Mary were um, called by the Roman authorities, and they had to answer that call, which, that was, which, which shows that their lowly status. To, to be involved in a census... Um, basically, so the, the Roman Empire can Roman Emperor could brag about the size of his empire is the biggest reason he was, he uh, caused all this to happen. But anyway, he he called them to go to a little town of Bethlehem, 
which was um, traditionally the, the house of, of King David. They're, they're one of, considered one of their greatest kings. And he was supposed to be the prototype of the Messiah. But he was called to go to Bethlehem. And when they get there, um, the guest houses are so full that they didn't even have a place or a room in the inn. They didn't even have a place for them. So they had to go and, and sleep out in the stable. And, and they wrapped uh, the Christ child in, in swaddling clothes, or it says snugly. I think the version that I read there was from the New Living Translation. But they wrapped him up and, and put him in a feeding trough. I mean, you can't get much lower than that. The king of the universe coming as a helpless, weak infant who cannot fend for himself, who is dependent upon his parents, and then placed in, in, in one of the worst conditions you can think of, a feeding trough as a cradle. I can't think of anything much more poor than that. But, but Jesus did it for us. <laughs> he did it for us. He did it to save sinful humanity. He did to go deep into humanity. To, to the lowest of the low. I talked about this before a few weeks ago, but where Christ did not come to the king's palaces, he, he, he didn't appear um, in, in the Roman court before the emperor. That, that, that's not how he came into the world. He didn't come as a divine warrior to conquer the world. He, he, he didn't come to do anything. He, he came in order to save humanity from itself. From its own selfishness, from its own self-focused, from its own sinfulness, from its own lostness. Because anybody that, that is without God and does not know God and is, and is without the sacrifice of the Son, Jesus Christ, is lost. And it's an even playing field. We, we, we tend to look at ourselves um, with, with moral lenses sometimes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm doing better than that person over there. But God, it's, with Him, it's an even playing field. Sin is sin. And, I, and, and yes, there are some sins that are worse than, than some others. And, and I would argue that. But all sin is an offense to God. All have sinned, the Apostle Paul said, and fall short of God's glory. But all are also justified freely by the grace that's given through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, his being born to die meant our redemption. And that's key for us to remember. This was God's purpose to do, but it was also Christ's willingness. Some people say that, that Jesus coming in flesh and dying on the cross is somehow divine child abuse. <laughs> but Jesus was... was Co-equal, co-eternal with God. He, he, he shared in the Godhead 100%. He was fully God. And God's, the Father's plan was His plan. And He did come down out of His own willingness to help save the world. And He knew that He would have to come to the deepest part of humanity, the lowest part of humanity, in, in, in order to end, bring an end to this lostness this separation from God. And he would start at the bottom and work his way to the top because this salvation was for all mankind. And he did eventually appear before kings like King Herod Antipas. And he did appear before Roman governor Pilate. 
And he did appear in those palaces at the end of his life. But for now, he comes to the lowest of the low. From his high and lofty throne in heaven, he comes down to us because of his love for us. And he was born to die. Christ became fully obedient to the Father. Now, it talks about here that um, Christ emptied himself. And I, that, that has some meaning to it too. It's not that Jesus um, quit being divine. It's not that Jesus gave up his powers. It's not that he emptied himself of, of, of all his divine attributes. They were fully intact when he was here on earth that they were just contained in that human flesh and, and, those, and not just containment. His human nature and his divine nature were intermeshed with, the, with each other. Some in, in the past, uh, the, the church, pe people in the church and the early church said, okay, it's more like half and half. Um, he's got a divine side and a human side. No, the church finally said, no, he is fully divine and fully human, that those things were intermeshed in him, that, that they were together in him. But he poured out his, his uh, self for us. He, he gave up his divine rights. In fact, Paul says it here, the way he says it is, he did not consider his um, divine rights, he, did, he didn't consider the, the throne to be something to be grasped or held onto, but came down and humbled himself. He gave up his divine rights to himself. And, so, and, and, that, and, th and then he poured out his life for others. Um, I, I like the way that, that, if he, that, that um, Isaiah 53 talks about it. If you know anything about Isaiah 53, that's one of the early predictions in the Old Testament about Jesus and his sacrifice as, as a lamb. And it says that he poured out his soul unto death. Well, it says here that Jesus emptied himself. He did not count his equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That kind of obedience is something that is, is beyond us, I think, sometimes. That kind of sacrifice is something that, that is hard for us to, to imagine. You know, what's the old gospel song when he was on the cross um, that he could have called 10,000 angels? <laughs> and he could have. Why didn't he? Because he was being held there by his obedience to the Father and love and service to humanity. Those were the things that held him on the, the, that cross. Not those nails, not the Roman government, not the will of the Roman government, not the will of, of the, the Jewish religious leadership, the Pharisees, not, not, not at the will of, of, of the criminals. He was held there by nothing else than his obedience and his love. A self-sacrificing obedience, a self-sacrificing love. And not only that, he died the most horrific kind of death, the most degrading kind of death. 
In Deuteronomy, it talks about how anyone who, who, who dies on a tree is cursed. The Roman government invented um, crucifixion not for its own citizens, but for those who were considered slaves to the empire. And um, sometimes even freedmen were crucified, but they were the ones who were, who were of low estate. It was not for um, noble classes of people. So, so in that sense, it was one of the lowest forms, a, a, a degrading kind of death. Jesus counted himself among the criminals. He counted himself among the lowly, among the humble, a, 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 among the lowest of society in his crucifixion. And the bad thing is, is that um, we know from the Easter story that, that Pilate declared him to be innocent. He was innocent of the crime that he was accused of. The Roman soldier at the cross says the same thing. Surely this man was innocent. That, that's in the Luke version of, of the crucifixion story. Jesus Christ, the innocent Son of God who had committed no crime, counted himself among the criminals and among the lowest of the low. Why? Because on himself he was, he was taking on the sins of the whole world. Everything was being heaped upon him. From, from, from the mocking that he received, from, from the cruelty that he received at the hands of the Roman soldiers, the, the beatings, the whips, the, having your, your hands and feet nailed into those crossbeams and then hanging there for hours while you suffocated. In John's version, they had to check to see if he was dead. And the way they did that was they shoved a spear into his side. Jesus gave up his own life in one of the most cruel ways that, 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 that could happen. And he did that because of his self-sacrificing love for the Father and for us. Because he knew that, that the innocent Son of God, the immortal God, Taking it on flesh and dying meant that the curse upon the human race because of its own sins, the curse of sin and death, would be broken by the divine Son dying on the cross. Everything that He did undid the whole history of human sin. It, it, it undid all, all that evil. And it also undoes all the evil of everyone after that, because Jesus not only died, He rose again after this. And in fact, Paul talks about that here too. Verse 9, Therefore God has exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, his complete humiliation and his self-sacrificing obedience, the degrading of, of himself, the giving up of his divine rights in order, in order to, to fulfill the Father's will, all those things led to him being exalted above the earth, being exalted above the heavens, being brought even higher than he was before, at least in the esteem of, of the human race, so that every knee should bow and every tongue confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His humiliation and his self-sacrifice were his also led him to being exalted above all names. And so we know the name of Jesus today. If Jesus had just suffered and died and, 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 had, and, and the cross was the end, we wouldn't know anything about Jesus. Because God resurrected him and then exalted him above the heavens, we know the name of Jesus today and what he, what he has done and what it means. And so we celebrate the name of Jesus this Christmas. Well, there's one other important thing that this Scripture says here, and, it's, and that's actually the first thing that the Scripture says here in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves. Have this mindset, this attitude among yourselves, the same mindset and attitude that Christ had. And what was his mindset or attitude? To give up himself for others. To give up his own life for other people. To become obedient to the Father's will, even to the point of death. Now, I'm not saying that Christ is act, act, asking us to die a physical death. But he might be. I would say the primary thing is that we need to be willing to give up ourselves for others. And that, that is the call of the gospel. That is the call of Christ. That, that is the call to take up our cross and follow Him, as Jesus said. To take up our cross daily and follow Him. To sacrifice ourself, our own desires, our own will, our own need, in, in service to other people. We, we often say that, that the goal of Jesus' coming is heaven. And while I believe that that is a promise for, the, for every believer... That is not the, the main purpose of Jesus coming and suffering and dying. He didn't come to suffer and die just to give you a ticket <laughs> or to give you a, or, or to book you passage. He came so that you could become like Christ, so that you could become as He intended us, so he, we could become as He created us, to have a mindset of attitude that is set not on ourselves and our own selfish desires, but set on others. So what does that look like? Well, in the home, it means that, that fathers sacrifice for their, their wives, and vice versa. It means that parents sacrifice to raise their children and feed them and love them. And some people might say, say well, that, that's kind of natural. Um, it's becoming less and less natural in this world today. And the gospel says that I need to quit worrying about myself so much and worry about my children. Now, granted, I think there's, there's times that, that we um, uh, need, need to uh, step away and, and, and maybe help ourselves a little bit um, but by taking a break and focusing ourselves. But that's never a full-on situation. That's only a temporary situation. Our, the idea is that we sacrifice for our families. We, we give up our rights because of what Christ has done in order to love and raise our family in a loving home and, and in a Christian home. It means something in the church as well. That, that as believers in Jesus Christ, we, 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 we share in, in, in the divine gift of the Holy Spirit. We are one in Him 
And we need to treat each other as, as one. We need to love each other as much as we love ourselves. Jesus said that's, that's one of the greatest commandments. The first is love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. Where else does that begin but in the church? With fellow believers who share in, in, in a common destiny in Christ, who, who are participating um, in, in, in His life and in His death and, and in His resurrection, who are part and parcel of, of, um, of the gospel, of, of, of the truth of Christ. We should be sacrificing and willing to sacrifice one for each other. To love each other. To consider others better than ourselves. And finding ways of showing compassion and serving one another. Doesn't this, doesn't this have to happen when we gather here within these four walls? Doesn't just have to happen when we come to the fellowship hall for a meal. As much as I love eating. <laughs> but it means when we go out and we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ that they may have a need, we go and, and um, we, we help meet that need. One of the things in the book of Acts that says that was so wonderful about the early church was that they would even go out and sell their possessions to raise money for someone in need. And, and, and that, that's, that, that, we, we need to get back to that in the church. Um, it, it wasn't a communal lifestyle, it was just people sacrificing because they knew somebody else had a need. And, and, and the more we do that as a church, the more attractive we become to the world as, as people who think of each other first and foremost, who love each other first and foremost. It also does a lot for church unity as well. When we begin looking at others in a self-sacrificing way, we give up our rights to be right. We give up our rights to, uh, to ourselves and to our things in, in, in order to help someone else who's in need. And then in society in general, th this applies. And I, and I can't think of a better witness for the gospel than when someone, in a self-sacrificing way, goes out of their way to help someone who, who, who needs it. Could be a friend, could be a co-worker that's not a believer, could be somebody that, that we meet when we go out. Um, we are to show the self-sacrificing love of Christ to all people. Jesus talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the reason they always call that Good Samaritan is to emphasize that this Samaritan was good because Jewish people hated the Samaritans because they were a mixed race. And, and to them, all the Samaritans were bad. They, were, they weren't Good Samaritans. And so what Jesus does is He tells them a story of a Samaritan who helps a, a, a Jewish man who is, has been beaten and left for dead on the road and, and, and the Jewish religious leadership passing by, they want nothing to do with this, this man who's lying on the side of the road. But a Samaritan comes, takes pity on the man, um, cleans up his wounds, take, takes him to a, a guest room or, or a guest house, an inn, and pays money to put him up until, until he recovers. That, and, and Jesus said, that's what love your neighbor looks like. That, that's who your neighbor is. Someone who is in need out there that needs help. Outside the four walls of the church, even outside of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but somebody who needs a helping hand. And when we do that, we show people the love of the gospel. We show them the love of the gospel. The Methodist faith has always been um, 
not just about personal holiness, but what we call social holiness. Helping the poor, the widows, the needy. In, in the whole Old Testament, one of the biggest reasons that God brought His judgment on His own people is because they should have known better because they had the law that they should take care of widows and orphans and seek justice for them. But they, all they were doing was oppressing them. And, you know, I'm not talking about... We, we always hear the word buzzword social justice. I can tell you the problem with social justice. What it does is it values groups of people over individuals. We need, to be, we need to be valuing individual people, personal people. Not, not just thinking about groups of people. I think that's something the government wants us to do in, in order to take away our personal, any kind of personal identity. To make it easier to control us, honestly. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to be political here, but I'm not talking about social justice. I'm talking about helping individual people face-to-face -face again Self-sacrificing for others, seeing others in their need, seeing them as, as people that God loves, and then we give them love as well. So this Christmas season, we need to remember that Jesus was born to die. And what that means is that He sacrificed Himself for us, and we should have self-sacrificing love for others. Let's stand.